Hi, I'm Ayana Gray, author of Beasts of Prey, and you're listening to the Power and Community Podcast, brought to you by Art of Me. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back, everybody. I'm so excited to get into episode three, season five of the Power Community Podcast. And as I said before, this season, we're going to be focusing on writers and authors. And so we talk a lot about storytelling on here, but there will be no story without amazing writers. There will be nothing to film or nothing to act if we didn't have writers. And so we get to talk to New York Times bestselling author Ayana Gray and her debut novel, Beasts of Prey. So I'm super excited. Thank you so much for being on the podcast, Ayana. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yay! Yeah! I'm so excited to just hear the wisdom you have to kind of bestow upon us. And just um, just the um, cool, I think one thing that I'm figuring out about this season, every bestseller author that I'm talking to, y'all are so down to earth and just so chill and just so practical. And I think sometimes uh, we there's like this space between people that we feel like we can't reach people once they, I don't know, you know how it gets weird and stuff. Um, but I love uh, just how normal I love it all. I'm soaking it all in. Um, so I'm excited to just talk to you and kind of hear your thoughts. And I just kind of want to jump right in more about who you are. And then we'll start talking about Beasts of Prey. So this part of the segment is going to be all about Ayana, y'all. We're just going to talk about Ayana a little bit. And so my first question for you is, did someone have to tell you you were a writer? Or did you one day just wake up knowing? Oh, I think I was born a writer. I think it was just in my blood and my bones. Um, you know, I used to draw. I still draw. I love drawing. And so as a kid, I would draw pictures and staple them together and make books. And nobody knew what the stories were. Like they would just see the pictures and they would try to guess what was happening. And I got frustrated. And I was like, I need some words so people understand what I'm trying to say. So then I started adding words. You know, I'd have the words at the bottom and then the pictures and I would like illustrate. Um, and that just, it sort of went from there. Like eventually I was putting more and more words and less and less pictures and building out these worlds where my friends and I were superheroes and just, you know, inspired by the TV shows and books I was, I was reading and watching at the time. And I mean, it really happened very naturally. So it's fair to say you were basically a comic book writer at first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, almost. Yeah. They weren't very good, but I had so much fun. Like, you know, imagining these cool things that me and my friends could do. So would you, I want to ask you, like for me, I was definitely always in the house writing stories too. Were you like that? Were you more of a fresh air kid or were you like in the house reading and just really into telling stories like by yourself? I was a mix of both. Like, my, especially in the summertime, my parents were like, you need to go somewhere. <laughs> like, so I would go outside and ride my bike and I would explore the neighborhood and go in the woods. And I would imagine like, you know, I, I, a lot of my like imagination came from just like, you know, going outside and I would ride my bike and pretend I was like on a spaceship or something and get ideas. And then I would come back inside and write the stories. So I did a little bit of a bit, a little bit of both. As I got older, I became more of a fresh air person and I liked being inside and reading my books. But, you know, as a little kid, I liked, I liked it all. So, yeah, that is so cute that your imagination was that big. I often find that I would love to transport back to my kids self because I feel like that's when I was so limitless. Um, so that's often mm -hmm. my daily goal, like be a kid again, like where we just didn't, we just weren't stressed about everything. Um, but speaking of just having that cool and big imagination as a child and just kind of growing into that and still writing today along that journey, have you ever had anyone try to try to discourage you in your writing? 
And then if they did, how did you overcome that discouragement? Um, I don't know if I ever had anyone like really aggressively discourage me, but there were people who kind of warned me that, you know, oh, there's no money in in being a writer or an artist or a creative, you know, that's not going to be very stable. And I grew up pretty middle class. So my parents taught me, you know, you need to grow up and get a job and you can't live here forever. So I'm the oldest in my family. So I've always had this like very big sense of responsibility. Like I've got to make it, I've got to figure out something to where I can pay my bills and support myself. And so it was scary to think, okay, I love to write, but this isn't like a quote unquote normal job where I will always, you know, be able to make money. And I think nobody actively discouraged me, but it was something I heard a lot and it made me very scared. And eventually it got to a point where I was like, well, I can always write on the side, but I'm not going to make that my main job because I want to, to be honest, I want to be able to make money. I never want to have to worry about, you know, can I pay my rent just being real. And fortunately, um, in 2020, when I sold Beasts of Prey, you know, I was able to transition uh, gradually into being a full-time author. But up until I signed that contract and got an official book deal, I didn't know it was fully possible to live off of doing what you love. Oh my gosh, right? Because the world makes it seem like it's so impossible. And uh, Mm -hmm. I definitely have a similar story of like freeing myself from like, just not feeling like that is and kind of moving into freelancing. Um, I want to talk to you a little bit about that transition. So what was it like up until you sold Beast of Prey? Were, what was your life like? What was your attitude towards being a writer? And was there any struggle? And, you know, like, did, were you upset that you did, couldn't do it full time? Was I'm sure it was like a fresh breath of air by the time you were able to do it. But I guess I'm looking for any advice or ideas that you could give us about that transitional period, like while you're in the waiting, I guess you would call it. Yeah. So I'll say this and, you know, people don't always like to talk about this, but sometimes your dream job has to be your second job until you start making money. Like I know you see all these movies and hear all these stories about people who suddenly seem to just get everything overnight. That's not really what happens. In actuality, a lot of times people are working behind the scenes for years you know, building up their, their work and hustling and grinding. And then they, they make it and you only see the shine. You only see the come up, right? Um, I wrote Beasts of Prey. I started writing Beasts of Prey in 2015. And I was, I was working different jobs. I was traveling. Like it took me five years and I, I just, I loved it so much. So I kept working on it on the side, but I also realized, hey, you have bills. You have stuff you have to pay for. And you can love your writing all you want, but you have responsibilities. So I was working and what I would do is I would go to my normal, quote unquote, normal job, eight to five. And then at five o'clock when my first job was over, I'd come home, eat dinner really quick and do my second job for free, which was writing. I was, I was doing this without getting paid for years. And only now, like only just now, you know, I have my book deal now, but it took a lot of, it took a lot of grind on the front end that nobody really saw. And now, you know, everyone's like, oh, wow, this happened so fast. I'm like, no, it didn't. Um, so that, that was my life for a long time, working two jobs. And you'll see a lot of people, singers, actors, you know, before they get that big movie or have that breakout song, they're working and they're hustling and you just don't know about it. So, I mean, if you, I always say like, you know, if it's your dream job, 
you've got to treat treat it like a job and that you know you may not get paid up front for it but if you really want it you've got to you've got to put in the work yeah for sure because even in uh freelancing like people have this idea that like that's not work um you're still working for other people it's mm-hmm. still not what you want to do daily. It's, you know what I mean? Like you still have to sacrifice your time and then you still have to fit in what you really want to do at the end of the yeah. day. So yeah, there's this misconception that like everybody's falling away from corporate and going into businesses and freelancers and it's beautiful to see, but girl, it is still work. Like I don't it know. Is. It is. And you're your own boss when you're self-employed. Like it's cool to be your own boss, but that means you are responsible for everything. Even the stuff that you're not like, I'm a writer, so I'm good at the storytelling, but you know, like I have to deal with taxes and health insurance and all this stuff that I'm like, in my old job, I didn't have to really worry about that. But you are your own boss. You are literally responsible for everything and you have to be prepared for that. So there are advantage, there are definitely more advantages than disadvantages, but there are definitely some things that are hard, but it's, that's the job. Yeah, for sure. So just y'all listening in, you know, something that I'm just taking away from this conversation is like whatever path you take, there's going to be work included in that. And at the end of the day, the process is what makes the destination worth it. Like working towards something is what makes you feel successful at the end of it and feel connected to finally finishing something, which we're going to definitely be asking Ayana, how do you finish a book? And you might not have like the exact recipe, but I'm interested to hear uh, what you have to say. Uh, but speaking of books, um, Ayana, what's your favorite genre to read? Is it similar to what you write? And if so, or if not, do you have any favorite authors that you'd recommend to those of us listening into the podcast today? Oh, yeah. So I love reading and writing fantasy. Like I mentioned before, I've always had a big imagination. I might walk into the woods in my backyard and to somebody else, it's just some woods in the backyard. But to me, it's like a magical forest. So I've always loved fantasy. I've loved magic. I read the Harry Potter books as a kid and just devoured them. Um, There are so many authors who I love. I'll say like, you know, especially for middle school, if you want a really funny, cool, magical series, there's books called the Aru Shaw books. It's about a girl who lives in a museum with her mom. And one day she accidentally, um, oh my gosh, she like releases this, this like kind of magical bad guy from a lamp. And um, and chaos, it sort of goes, everything goes wrong, but it's so funny and magical and cool. And she goes on this big magic adventure. Um, in young adult, there are just like probably too many for me to even name. Um, but I, I love young adult fantasy, middle grade fantasy. Uh, Amari and the Knight Brothers is a cool story about a black girl who gets invited to this like secret magical school, to try to find her big brother. Um, gosh, I like, that's always a tough question because I'm like, I had, there's so many books that I love. It just depends on what you like. But yeah, I love fantasy. I love magic. I love going, what if, you know, and taking like a normal mundane life and then saying, what if, and then going from there. No, seriously, I think that is so cool. I grew up reading a lot of fantasy too. And it is cool to just go somewhere different like and just be in a different space with different rules and ideologies and thoughts and I mean it does just take you away I remember getting lost in and stuff like that and don't worry y'all Ayana can't remember right now but we will get a list from her so that you all can they're just too many 
<laughs> yeah, we need at least 20. Uh, so you guys can tap into these cool uh, lists that she has because um, it's just so important to read the things that you want to write, I think. And so I, that's so cool that um, you love fantasy and then you ended up writing your own version of that those fantasies. And speaking of fantasies, let's talk about Beasts of Prey. Okay, so this next segment, we're just going to dive into the world that Ayana has created. And let's correct me if I'm wrong. The world is the city in the book is called La Costa, right? I'm saying that yep. right. Yeah. La Costa, cool. The city of La Costa. So I have a few questions surrounding just the creation of this place. Um, what do you do to keep up with the details of the world that you create? Um, fiction is fun to read. Fantasy is fun to read. It's a lot of details when we are creating a place that we've never been to before and other people don't know about. How do you keep up with those details? I know you talked about the process of how they kind of come to form, which could be you just walking into your backyard and just kind of coming up with all of this stuff. How do you keep up with the details? Do you write it down? Is it just in your brain? Uh, yeah. Oh, I, so that process of like building big magical worlds is called world building. And it's one of my favorite parts about fantasy because you literally get to just create whatever world you want. And so my process is constantly changing. I'm learning new techniques, but what I typically do is I make a fake Wikipedia page. So if you were to go to Wikipedia right now and like look up Jamaica or look up, I don't know, India or you know any country, it's gonna have, India is a country located, blah, blah, blah. And it's gonna have little subsections about the history, about the government, about the culture, the food, famous people from these places. So I make a little page like that, but I make it for my own world. So I'm like, okay, um, what do people wear? Is it, what is it, is it hot there? Like, is it like a country in Africa where it's really hot all the time? Is it going to have snow? Are there mountains? Is there a lot of water? Is it a desert? And once I kind of, I, it's kind of like um, a snowball rolling down a mountain because once I start thinking one thing, all these ideas just come flooding in. So I'm like, okay, if it's a desert place, then it's probably gonna, it's, it's gonna be hot. So people are gonna wear light colored clothing okay, what kind of religion would they have in this place? It doesn't have to be a religion that we have in the real world. Maybe they worship a God of water because water is hard to come by and they have to pray for water. And then I'm thinking, what kind of food do they eat? Well, what kind of food would, would not go bad in a hot place? Like what kind of food would last? So I start thinking about all of those things and I make a, doc, a Microsoft Word like document or so you could just write it down really. And I just start writing any idea that comes to me and that's how I build out my world. And then once I have a world, I start thinking what kinds of stories could happen in this world. If it's a desert, you know, like there's not a lot of water. What if one day the water ran out and now you have a, a hero who has a sick family or a family that's going to die if they don't get that water. Well, now he's going to go on an adventure or she's going to go on an adventure to find water. And now you've got a story or you've got the beginning of a story. So a lot of times the world of your story can start to like inspire your story. So keep every, all, any idea that comes to you, keep it. <laughs> yes, I love that you described it as a Wikipedia page because Wikipedia is basically that, just filling out all this information. You can go to the bottom and just click links that take you to this other page. Yep. Like, I love that. That's such a good idea. Y'all write this down, write this down because I've always struggled with 
how to mind map or world build and what do I want mine to look like? And I've tried like a list of things and some of the stuff definitely works for me, but this is definitely something I'm going to add to uh, a list of things to try when building, especially fantasy worlds where you got to keep up with all of these facts and things. Can you tell us a little bit about Lacosa without telling us what's going like completely yeah. what's going on in the book? Yeah, so Beasts of Prey is what I call a pan-African inspired story, which just means, pan means all. So this is a story that is inspired by different parts of the African continent. It's not just West Africa, not just East Africa or Southern Africa. I'm pulling from different parts of Africa. And that's because I'm an African-American woman and I don't know where my ancestors came from on the continent. They were taken and they, they were taken as slaves. So I'll never know exactly what part of the country or sorry, the continent or what countries um, in Africa uh, my ancestors came from. Um, so I pulled from all over. So Lacosa is, is reflected by that. It is a world where everybody's black. Everybody's black. Everybody has textured hair like me and no, a nose like me, lips like me, features like me. Because in fantasy, growing up, I didn't see really any stories where black people got to have their own magical worlds. Um, it is a world, it is a city that has a jungle on the border and it's a magical jungle and there are monsters and creatures and everybody kind of knows not to go in there, but there is a monster that keeps coming into the city and killing people every night. And these people have just lived in terror for like almost a hundred years. And so that's the world. And so you start to think, okay, there's a monster coming every night. There's a story there. What if there was a young man who wanted to find this monster to prove that he was brave? What if there was a girl who was a zookeeper who wanted to find the monster and maybe make some money so that she and her family could could be okay. And that's Beasts of Prey. That's how that story kind of came about. And it's such a creative and fun story. I love it. I love, love, love just the, it's simple, but then there's also like these magical twists and turns to it that I really love. And even just speaking of your characters, um, Kofi and Ikan, what... I want to know how they came about. So you built the world and then you came up with the story, but mm -hmm. each of these characters have their own agendas, their own desires, and just their own outlook on that world, their own um, ideologies about where they live. I want you to tell us more about who Kofi and Econ are, again, without Econ. Is it Econ or Econ? Yeah. I say Econ, but you say, you know, Econ. once you once you like read the book, you say it the way you say it, and I'm kind okay. of cool with it. <laughs> okay, cool. Okay, Econ. Um, and uh tell us more about who they are without giving us away the whole book but then also who are you most like if you were to put these two people <laughs> in the room who would you be mostly like yeah so like I said world first then a story and then I started wondering about the people in the story so I thought about what if there were warriors in this city and what if there was a, a kind of like a teenage boy who really wanted to become a warrior and he maybe he failed his his first his like last test to become a warrior and now he's got to prove himself some other way well how do you prove yourself what's the coolest thing you could do to prove you're worthy as a warrior uh, go into a magical jungle and find this monster that no one's been able to find before so that's who Ekon is at on the surface um, I don't want to give things away, but, you know, Ekon has some secrets. He has some demons that he's battling inside, um, things from his past that he has not dealt with. And part of his story is learning how to deal with those monsters, not just the monster he's trying to find, but the monster that that's from his childhood because something happened that he didn't talk about, that he didn't address. And it's been haunting him and it's been stalking him this whole time and it affects him. 
And I wanted to write a story, you know, especially in fantasy, there are not a lot of black boys in fantasy stories. And if they're there, they are side characters. They're not the main character. I have a little brother who um, growing up, he was a very, like he loved Thomas the Tank Engine. I always tell people like he was a very gentle sort of soul. And I didn't see stories of black boys like him in books. It was like black boys had to be one way and they weren't allowed to be any way else. And so I wanted to write a story um, about a black boy who was dealing with some hard things at home and hard things with his family. Um, and his story is kind of dealing with that. So that's Ekon. And then Kofi, like I said, she's a magical zookeeper um, and she has family stuff and she has issues that she hasn't dealt with, but she's also this really strong, and when I say strong, I mean like she doesn't take it, you know, mess from anybody. She is really smart and she knows she's smart and she's confident, but she also has challenges. And again, I, I think about the way, like the kinds of black girls I wanted to see in stories. I didn't ever find stories with girls like her. Um, I think I relate to them both. I think there's pieces of me in both of them. Um, you can't help it as a writer. You always put a little bit of yourself in your story. So I relate to them both, um, probably equally. Yeah, and I, I think your point to there not being a lot of representation is so on point. We Fantasy is one of the ways that I love to come out of my world as a Black person living in America. And so I just appreciate people like you writing these stories because it allows us to stretch beyond what some of the things we know to be true and factual, factual about living here. Magical and Magic and fantasy allows us to even tap into who we really are, you know, things that people can't see right here in the in the actual, you know, uh, outside of the fantasy world that you created, fantasy worlds help us to tap into the actualities of this blackness and and just our fierceness and our love and our softness. Um, I think we can do that with like regular fiction books, but I know for me, I find that my heart soars with uh, fantasy uh, because we just get to take it to this next level. If you kind of know what I mean, yeah. Yeah, so I really appreciate that. I wanted to um, also ask you, with even talking about representation, have you been privy to any conversations about how Kofi and Ekon have inspired young uh, Black kids, young Black people, people in general? Yeah, um, uh, last year, Beast of Prey came out last fall. The sequel, Beast of Ruin, comes out next next month, end of July. And it's been, like, the coolest part has been meeting especially Black kids who are, like, wait, he looks like me, or wait, she looks like me. Um, in the book, you know, I tried to have little moments where I talked about things that as a Black kid growing up, like, I know, like, for example, um, there's a part where one of the characters has to talk about wash day and how much she hates wash day because it takes forever. And I'm like, that's a part of being a black, black kid, especially a little Black girl. Like, you know, wash day takes all day. Like, you're not going to, when you go to wash your hair, it takes forever. And so those are things that, again, I didn't see in stories and it's really cool. Like I talk about different hairstyles, like, you know, Fulani braids and Senegalese twists. And these are things that in our community, we know, but we never get to see them in stories. It's always silky straight hair and, you know, point, pointy noses and light colored eyes and these things that we, that the world says are beautiful, but we don't get to explore other kinds of beauty. Um, or other kinds of food that maybe we're used to. There was like a little reference to like sweet potato pie because that's one of my favorite things growing up that I like to eat. 
Um, so I tried to put those little, those little nods in and it's cool when especially black kids see it and they're like, hey, I know what you're talking about right there. So that's, that's the part that really makes, gives me a lot of joy. Yeah, that must be really rewarding. I love sweet potato pie too. I'm glad you dropped that in there. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> I'm a little hungry. I might have been. I'm a little hungry right now. Okay, guys. So this has been an amazing conversation. We're going to take a quick break. Remember, you've been listening to the Power and Community Podcast brought to you by Art of Me, where we celebrate the power of storytelling. It's been so fun being able to get wisdom from a writer. Let's take a quick break. Stick around for our final segment where we'll get some storytelling advice from writer and author and best-selling author, excuse me, Ayana Gray. What's up, Art of Me fam? Shonda here, and I'm the host of the Power and Community Podcast, and I have a cool message for you. I need you right now to go head over to www.artofme.org, find our contact button, and hit donate now. That is the only way we're going to be able to continue to bring you amazing content, like talking to our filmmakers on podcasts, interviewing different communities in our publication, and then creating animations and short films. We want to continue to tell stories that are important to you. Head over right now, www.artofme.org, hit contact, and then hit donate now in order to help us fund amazing stories that are important to our communities. See you soon. All right, y'all, we are back and we are coming up on my favorite part of season five where we get some advice from a writer, okay? And so my first question for you, Ayana, is do you have any writing routines, i.e. like your favorite snack, music, a favorite pen or paper, pencil, or computer or object? What do you have to do to ensure you're in the right space to write? Ooh, well, I'm a little bit maybe weird. It's hard for me to listen to music. So what I do is, you know, I have my headphones on. I listen to like rain, <laughs> like rain music or thunderstorm music, something really loud that helps me block out everything else because I get easily distracted. So for me, like having a loud, like, big, you know, big noise to kind of help me focus that, that helps me out. I like to go on walks too. Like some people, I don't know, with writing, like not all of the work you do for writing is writing. So going on a walk and kind of like just letting your mind kind of wander and, and kind of be creative for a minute before you sit down to write. I think that's really important too. Cool. And then this next question, I want you to come at it however you feel you need to, because I get that it's a large question. So the question I have is how do you finish a book? Ooh. For you. Yeah. <laughs> Depends on the situation. As an author right now, I am literally contracted to write. So I have real deadlines that I like have to make. That's a little more stressful. <laughs> but when it's not, when I don't have a deadline, what, it, what helped me a lot, because I used to get really bad about, oh, I'm not feeling inspired today. You know, pick a time, whether it's in the morning before you go to school, before you go to work, whether it is on the bus, because I used to take a bus to work, whether it is right when you get home after dinner, pick a time and really try to protect that time. That was something another author, Seba Tahir, told me once, or, and she, she said, you know, protect your time fiercely. Um, let people in your life know, hey, this hour, this 30 minutes, this is my writing time. And if you do it every day, it's kind of like brushing your teeth. You get into a habit, and once you're in the habit, it feels kind of weird when you don't do it, right? Like you, you get up and then brush your teeth every morning. Like it would be weird if you didn't get up and brush your teeth because you do it every day. Um, so I would say just try to like, try to do it even a little bit, even if it's only 30 minutes, like 
try to build a little bit of a routine every day where you just, and, if, and guess what? Even if you're doing five words a day, if you do five words a day long enough, you will have a book eventually. So practical. I love that protect your time part. Like family members and friends do not be getting it. Like they don't <laughs> understand like the life of a writer and how we really just need that space and time. I have a friend, I love her to death. We'll be talking on the phone and I'll be like trying to write and talk on the phone because she want to tell me like something. <laughs> she want to tell me something. Oh I also kind of bounce ideas off of her as well. But I, I'm just listening to you and I'm like, girl, you cannot do that no more. Like you have to protect your time and be like, sis, I gotta go. I need to get these, uh, this chapter out. I love that y'all. If y'all don't write down nothing else, protect your time. Your goals are important and what you want to achieve is so important. And that's not just for writers. That's for any passion. If you want to be a singer, a comedian, like an athlete, pick a time to dedicate to the thing that you're passionate about and protect that time and be, tell your friend, hey, I've got to go outside and shoot hoops. Like I've got to go out and run drills, whatever it is. Dedicate a little bit every day and you will become, you know, they say like, if you do something every day for seven years, you'll become an expert. Mm-hmm. whatever whatever you're passionate about that goes for everything I love that and we have a, a couple extra minutes I did want to ask you what do you do for rest as a writer right because I think sometimes we have like all these goals we have deadlines you're so right about protecting your time and getting things done for you what do you do for rest how do you prioritize that in your life um try to try not to work on weekends um you know, I try to talk with friends and get perspective about the world, stuff that isn't writing. Like I give my brain a, bre- a rest. I watch movies, TV shows. I like to draw, listen to music, let that kind of stuff inspire me. So um, it is about doing the work all, you know, every day, but also recognizing when you need to take a break and saying, let me, let me go refill my creative well, because you'll do better work when your creative well is full. Yeah. Cool. Y'all, I hope y'all writing this down because this is wisdom, y'all. We really have to listen to people who are who have already done some things um, to also like aid in our journey of completing those same goals that we have. And that's why we've been uh, interviewing some people who have already accomplished this. And I know they have so many more things they want to accomplish. Trust me, I'm not saying, you know, that they don't have even higher heights that they want to reach, but they have reached a goal. And I think it's so important to listen to those people who have who have had that experience. And so Ayana, it has been amazing to uh, catch up with you and talk uh, talk with you about what you're, you've been up to and what you've been doing. And I do want to follow up about any projects you have coming out. So there is, I heard that Beast of Prey is uh, going to be a Netflix uh, film pretty soon. And then you have another book coming out. So can you talk to us about that? Yeah, yeah. So Beast to Pray, like I said, it is out right now. If you are interested, you can get it from basically anywhere where they where books are sold or go to your local library um, and ask your librarian for it. You don't have to buy it. Um, if you like Beast to Pray or if you've already read Beast to Pray, the sequel comes out July 26th, I believe. So not not too far, like less than or a little over a month. Um, and then, yes, there is a movie in in adaptation and development right now. Um, there is a script as far as I know. Um, and hopefully I'll, I'll know more soon, but I'm really excited uh, for the movie to accompany the books and for, again, black kids to get to see themselves having cool, magical adventures. 
Yes, that's such a well-rounded journey. I'm telling you to be able to see it as a book and now on screen. That is going to be so, I'm so excited for you. I know it's all over my face, but I'm just so hyped for you. I love that. Um, Is it true that your book has been printed in multiple languages too, right? Yeah, yeah. It is, I want to say maybe 10 different languages. So I'm really fortunate that, you know, in other countries and countries I've not been to, um, people yeah. are going to get to read my books. So that's, that was another author dream that I never thought would actually get to happen, but you do the work long enough and, and things happen. It does. I'm so excited for you, Ayana. and so grateful to be able to just kind of be in your presence and talk to you today. Before we leave, can you let people know where they can keep up with your stuff as far as your social media and any website we can uh, tap into? Yes, so I tried to make it pretty easy. I have a website, www.ayanagray.com. Ayana is A-Y-A-N-A-G-R-A-Y. That's my website. You can always send me notes and it goes to my email address. If you go to the contact page, you can always send me stuff there. I'm also on Twitter, at Ayana Gray. I'm on Instagram, at Ayana Gray underscore. Um, I'm on TikTok, at Ayana Gray. So you, most of the at Ayana Grays, like if, you know, I'm, and I'm on Facebook too. So especially to those of you who are trying to become writers and you're maybe not sure where to start. If you have any questions, um, I really, I always like to try to help where I can because people helped me. So please reach out if you, if you have questions or want to know more. Yeah, TikTok is all the rage. I'm gonna have to follow you on there just to see <laughs> what kind it's of crazy. Yeah, I love TikTok. Oh my gosh, hilarious, but so fun. Um, So yeah, y'all go follow Ayana. Keep up with her. Uh, This is a fantastic human being creating fantastic work for uh, Black kids, Black people, people who love fantasy. And I'm so uh, grateful to have had her on today. And speaking of social media, don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Art of Me Org, on Facebook at Art of Me Productions, on YouTube at Art of Me Productions, and on TikTok at Art of Me Org. And we hope to see you on the next episode, the fourth episode, we will be talking to Martinique Mims about her illustrated uh, picture book where she highlights Black girls, magic, and just what it means to be beautiful as a um, as a black girl and so stay tuned we have more authors coming your way and i'm so excited to bring more people to the podcast and i will be talking to you all soon bye